Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back. Welcome back to us, and welcome back to listening to another Starling City Radio. Um, this is episode 15. We've had uh, a few weeks off. With, uh, we, we're out fighting crime, we'll just say that. Yeah, and, pretty much. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're cleaning up the streets. And hey man, if Stephen Ammo can take breaks, so can we. That's what I say. Yeah, that's the way. That's how I look at it as well. They can have their hiatuses, we can have our own. <laughs> yeah, so we're back now. Uh, after the last great episode with the interview on it, I hope you all enjoyed it. Uh, some of your feedback's been good on it, and I like seeing good feedback. And uh, yeah, Starling City Radio seems to be going well, just as we took our hiatus, so hopefully we haven't lost too many of you guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, we're here to cover two episodes of Arrow. Birds of Prey and was what was last week's title, Ross? Uh, Deathstroke. So Deathstroke. got quite quite two two episodes on probably two opposite sides of the uh, the sort of enjoyment scale. So it'll be quite quite a good a good mix of opinions, I reckon tonight. So it should be quite good. Oh yeah, definitely. So um, our, we've got a comic for this week, um, which was heading into the light, Ross. Yep, before we get into the comic book, uh, for any listeners out there, make sure you've read um, Identity Crisis first, because the comic book will make so much more sense. Uh, That's probably our thing, yeah. If you've not read Identity Crisis, pause now, read it, come back in, and then listen to Heading Into the Light. Yes, but if you've been following along with us, you should be up to scratch. And um, I I did enjoy this book. It's kind of similar artwork. Uh, it was the best part of the story for me. Like the, I was waiting for Ross to catch up on me was Merlin coming into it, and Ross was like, "Oh, I forgot he was here," and I was like, "Yeah, yeah. it's brilliant. It's good. It's been quite well since I've read that book because I read it straight after my first time. I read um, Identity Crisis, which was a good few years back. So yeah. it was nice and refreshing to read a comic where I didn't know what exactly was going to happen, apart from the ending. I kind of knew what that was going on, but the Merlin thing was like, "Yes, oh, I totally forgot about that." It's the first time I've really seen him since um, Quiver. So, well, not even all. He wasn't in Quiver, but in this run, that's the first time we've really seen him. So, it's, it was good. Yeah, um, it was. It, it was quite. It was a. It was a longer book than usual. I felt. Um, well, not not as long as Identity Crisis, but longer than some of the Arrow ones. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was. It was really good. Uh, who was it that done it? Was it Judd? Uh, yeah, it's still, Judd still Judd Winnick. Winnick. Yeah, he's pretty much been. He'll be doing the entire run for us. It was good. It, it felt more of a Green Arrow graphic novel than the previous couple. You know, it was a nice self-contained story that uh, you know we didn't have like previous books that we've kind of covered. There was always mm. like sort of two storylines, and the two storylines kind of felt a bit drab and, and it didn't really hit the mark. Whereas this one, these sort of self-contained it to just one specific storyline, and it really, really did well. And it was nice to sort of see some flashes. And I'm pretty sure the artwork changed halfway through as well. Which is yeah. which is fantastic too. So we kind of went away from that cartoonishy look of Green Arrow, that sort of flamboyant sort of yeah. pencil and um, pen strokes to sort of a, a closer towards what we were so used to with Phil Hester mm. at the start of it all. Um, but yeah, it was I, great. I, I mean, like, it was good. I do enjoy when they change the art, art style. Like I'm a big fan of the Fable series by Bill Willingham, and when they done it in this book. Um, I, I appreciate it sometimes because it, it's not discrediting any artist, but I feel like, say, you've got a story run, uh, and this one had kind of two stories, like you're saying, and <coughs> oh, not really two stories, sorry. <coughs> uh, the one main story, obviously, they were. Uh, it's basically. It, I, I'm guessing that this occurred almost right after because they're hunting. Um, 
Doctor Light was it? Doctor Light. Yeah, pretty much. Yes. I, 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 and the way I look at it is like because um, it, it kicks off with their their house getting blown up right at the start, and mm. I'm pretty sure like it's like when they arrive to the house. So in my mind, I'm thinking that that's them coming back from the Watchtower after the whole thing's happened, and that's them coming back thinking they've got a rest after everything that happened in the Identity Crisis. Then bam, this has all happened, and then they're back into it again. So that's the way I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty certain it is straight in because everything's still fresh in the, the mind, especially Doctor Light. You know, it's all still fresh in his mind, and you know, there's still quite a lot of uh, questions to be answered, specifically what actually happened through Identity Crisis and out with it. It didn't answer anything major, but it hinted at some answers. You know, like some questions were raised towards um, towards Oliver Queen and he sort of answered them in a roundabout way and you kind of saw a wee bit of flashback, specifically what happened with Batman and all that stuff, which was quite interesting. And yeah, it was good. It was good all around, you know, and, and I really enjoyed it. And as you said about the artwork, what was fantastic about it is the fact that like with that kind of storyline, when you're reading like sort of like, you know, six, well, seven, eight issues, you know, rather than you just reading it for the sake of reading it, when you get that change of artwork, it sort of like spurs you back on again. You're like, oh, great, fantastic. This yeah. is like something more and something interesting and you take on what's on this story. Yeah, like, like I was saying, it it's not discrediting the the artist for the first part, but when you you change it up a bit, like if you've got a a story and say it's five issues, if you change the artist each five issues, it's going to keep it fresh, if you know what I mean, rather than because we've been reading this same style for about four books now, Ross. Is it about four books? It's been this style. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it's been. Yeah, yeah it's big. You know, for us reading them sort of week week to week, you know, it's it's nice to see a wee shift every now and then, just to sort of mm. keep everyone quite fresh. And it's nice to see different takes of Oliver Queen and and the other characters as well, and what how other artists interpret sort of uh, Judd Winnick's writing as well, which is quite interesting. Um, yeah. But overall, I mean, this is a stronger book than what we'd seen previously as well, and the end of the book as well sets up quite of quite probably one of the better. Um, one year later, um, uh, sort of cliffhangers. For those unfamiliar with one year later, uh, one year le- later was basically a sort of a run that DC did um, after Final Crisis. So basically, every single hero um, sort of normal run stopped there in 2005 or 2006 to make way for Final Crisis, which we all know Ali's um, opinion on the, the whole DC <laughs> crisis stuff. So it's one of those ones. It's not the good ones like Identity Crisis. It's one of the Final Crisis ones, which everything goes to hell and they try and wreck on it all. So basically, one year later picks up, as it, as it says, one year later. So our next book will be pretty much after Final Crisis. So um, it's quite interesting to see how it finishes up. You know, obviously it's a spoiler for everyone, but you know how the city was sort of like blown up and you know he's lost all his fortune and all that stuff so it's quite it's quite interesting to see how we're gonna we're gonna sort of meet oliver queen in a year's time sort of idea when we read our next book so be quite good see the one bit it did kind of like go back into the sort of dark side in the book of um what's his name professor light dr light dr light Light. and when he was like what he did to sue he was like he's done it he admitted to doing it to others and he said that he basically did it to send a message and it's like I know. That was quite... yeah. yeah, it does. He gets quite. It does dark. get quite dark. Yeah. yeah, some of it's like, oh god, here we go. <laughs> but yeah, it's like stuff like that as well. There's a few other things he says as well. Like he says, "Oh, I I do it for the enjoyment as well yeah. as like something else." It's like Christ, what a psycho man. <laughs> yeah, he's just crazy. But for like years, he was played out in the comics as this sort of joke that the Teen Titans always kind of foiled. Like you pesky kids. Yeah. It's uh, quite, quite, quite mental how George Winnick and um, well, obviously Brad Meltzer with Identity Crisis sort of really um, 
brought him into sort of the adult world with this whole sort of like this sort of secret life that he had pretty much like raping all these other people that the Justice League had specifically hidden from everyone else, you know, and it was quite quite interesting to sort of delve back into that again and, and see how it's affected him as well as the other characters that he's fighting up again, uh, up against. And again, it was also fantastic seeing the, the final twist in the story. Actually, it was Merlin orchestrating it all as well, which was a great wee. Nice to see Arrow up against one of his formidable foes. Uh, that's one of his, if I'm right in saying, because we've started since Quiver, this is the first ever time we've actually seen Green Arrow meet up with like Merlin. We've not even seen um, Count Vertigo yet, so it's it was good to see that for the first time as well in this run, seeing up against Merlin again and doing the classic sort of archery competition, which is quite good. Yeah, and there was obviously the... What was the woman Doctor Light all about? I didn't really understand that. Uh, well, that's Doctor Light too. Um, she, it's. I, I didn't really go into it. Well, I did delve into it a wee bit um, a few years back, but I completely forgot to refresh my memory for the show. <laughs> but Doctor Light two is basically uh, another Doctor Light. Like I'm pretty sure if I remember rightly, Doctor Light went missing. Doctor Light two was the woman. She came on and had the same sort of powers as Doctor Light, and then she gave up her powers in order to help Cord Industries. And then Dr. Light has obviously realised that she's still around and tries to take off all her powers so she can become more powerful and sort of have, have all the power of the light rather than having to share it. I'm pretty sure. I may yeah. be wrong, listeners. <laughs> um, See, the, I've got an idea that that's the, kind of the way it goes, I think. The only other thing that I, I didn't... like, I was like, oh, come on, somebody just go after them. It was like... Deathstroke hired Merlin, who then hired Doctor Light, who then hired two other folk, that Frost and uh, um, Mirror Master. Yeah, and it was like, is 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 everybody just going to pass the buck? Like, I don't want to do this job. I'll hire somebody else. You know? Yeah, yeah. No, it's just it was quite crazy that way. It's kind of like you think that the person that powerful <laughs> that he could have just taken them on one to one, but instead he has to go around uh, this roundabout way. However, I suppose uh, on one side, though, if you think about it, I suppose that's a way just to sort of like tease and torture Green Arrow like psychologically a bit like what Bane did to Batman by having him like fight all his villains first before he finally gets to Bane I suppose maybe in a sort of poor a poor way Judge Winnick tried to do the same thing with with Arrow, Connor and uh, Mia fighting everyone else before they finally got to Dr. Light and Merlin in the hope that they would have been um, they would have been sort of shattered emotionally and physically you know for the end maybe that could be one way but still though it didn't come across that way, which was a shame. Um, if that yeah. was the way it's supposed to come across, but I'm I'm in agreement with you though. It did feel a bit like, what are you doing? Because you not just go down there and blast them with your light <laughs> instead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I did I did I did like it. Like it, it had enough action in it I, because it obviously tied into um, which we call it identity crisis. Mm-hmm. I, I did like it, but I think Doctor Light was a bit too braggy on some parts about like you know what he done to sue and others and it's like come on like yeah he's like one part he was just like why because i rape and it's like what why are you just continually mentioning this do you know what i mean i think (laughs) if you look in this comic um like you might might as well have just been called dr rape in this instead of dr light you know yeah it was getting it did come across that way as well just like a bit like right okay we know you've done that you don't need to keep on going on about it now (laughs) just continue on it's not something that you should be proud about (laughs) (laughs) but i did i did like the end bit um with the archery the when they were competing against each other 
Um, I thought that was kind of cool, and I'm looking forward to the next book. But yeah, um, I I would I would highly recommend this. Anyone that liked Identity Crisis, um, should definitely pick this up. Yeah, it's uh, it's nice. It just sort of ties up some stuff as well, and it's mm. it kind of it's a nice sort of continuous. It's not like a direct sequel, but it it, mm. it, it answers some questions and, and fleshes out some of the backstory that that they might not have had time for in Identity Crisis. Um, yeah. It is good, and obviously it has Green Arrow at the centre focus, which is even better, and it continues on Judge Winnick's storyline, which we'll be following book for book, which um, if I'm right in saying we only have um, two more volumes left of Judge, Win- Judge Winnick's run as well, so we're coming towards the end of that sort of era of Green Arrow in terms of uh, writing, so yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's cool. So, what what book is it that we're on to next week, Ross? Going it'll be uh, be called be crawling from the wreckage, which crawling. is pretty much going to be the one year later sort of idea um, of Green Arrow. So we'll find out exactly how he's going to uh, take on the fact that Star City has been demolished and by Doctor Light and Merlin, and how he's going to pick himself up from that. So it'll be quite interesting to see how that goes. You're getting knocked down, but I get up again. Okay. Pretty much, yeah. I'm going to have that soundtrack on when I'm, when I'm reading it. <laughs> you should do. So uh, anyway, if, uh, as for this book, heading into the light, how many arrows are you firing out of your quiver at this volume, Ross? I think I'm going to give it four arrows. Mm. Quite high, yeah, four arrows. I'm feeling generous since we're back in back in the studio for the first time <laughs> in weeks. So four arrows. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I'm going to just fire three. Because um, I, 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 I had the opposite thing. I was going to be generous, and then I thought, no, 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 I'm going to be fair. It's time to get harsh with these books. So, yeah, <laughs> a three, so overall, probably 3.5 from the two of us for this book. I did this goes together. But it's definitely worth picking up. I've read a lot worse books. Uh, cough, cough, New 52, Volume 1. <laughs> yes, definitely. I think we can all can all say that. <laughs> yes, but anyway, yeah, that was our comic for this week. Remember to, Crawling from the Wreckage is next week's book. We'll have that up on the site. And, um, yeah, keep along reading with us. And if there's any books like Ross always says that you want us to cover, we will be more than happy to do that um, because we read everything Green Arrow. If it's green and it's arrows, it's getting red, unless it's Robin Hood. Yes, definitely. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so we better move on to um, the episode segment of the show. We've got a whole two episodes to cover, Ross. I know, two episodes, it's going to be so good. It's just like, I've been itching to speak about it, but I've not yeah. had the chance. So it's, oh, it's, it's, it's an episode bonanza, if we will. Um, the first one was, of course, Birds of Prey, which featured the return of the Huntress. Um, I, I had a bit of mixed feelings with this episode. Uh, it's not in a sexist way, but I felt it focused too much on the woman in this episode yeah obviously the title and it just I, I, i'm not convinced with the huntress's acting skills the girl that plays the huntress yeah um i didn't i didn't enjoy this this is probably the the poorest episode i reckon i've watched so far in in the second series uh, i think the title's misleading to be honest birds of prey i mean they don't even team up well okay black canary and huntress team up but i don't really I, I still just don't think that the title kind of the, the title does the episode didn't give the title justice. Um, yes. You know, it just you know it didn't really live up to to the birds of prey that we know from the comic books. You know, and I just was expecting a lot more from it. I think there was a lot more that they could have done. And and as I said, I think the weak point was Huntress. You know, I just I'm still yes. not convinced that she can act, let alone <laughs> yeah, let let alone act as the Huntress. You know, and it just felt like I think they felt like. A, 
the writers, it felt like the writers were just delaying, obviously, the excitement of the episode afterwards. And I think they were just sort of filling time with this sort of birds of prey. Sure. And I think it was just more of them just trying to sort of plug in as many sort of, you know, references to birds of prey and, and to have, have a female centric episode for once as well, as opposed to give Amal a break, maybe. Mm-hmm. But still, it just, it just showed you that, fair enough, they do have a great supporting cast but you do still need a bit of arrow in there in order for it to sort of really shine. And this one just really showed how sort of bland, mm-hmm. you know, Huntress and to some extent Black Canary can be, you yes. know, there's, there's, there's certain points that sort of push the limits of belief in my, in my uh, eyes. When she was sitting like, talking to Laurel. Yes, exactly. Yeah. The fact that they're, they're six inches from their face. They must know. It's, I, know. Oh. I mean, I mean, it's like, Right, okay, I can, I, I, I am forced to believe so far that Oliver's going unnoticed, okay? But when, like you said, they were like six inches apart, kneeling together, and the only difference is a different colour of contact lenses. She's got the same body shape, or same size and everything. It's like, no, this is this is beyond belief, to be honest. That's well, and also it almost pushed my whole like Arrow. Uh, well, I uh, Quentin Lance not knowing who Arrow is to the limits when he bloody phones Arrow and then his, his mm-hmm. Steve uh, Oliver's phone goes off at the same time. It's just like what is going on? <laughs> and it's just yeah, it, it, the, the whole sort of identity thing was pushed to probably its utter limits in this episode. And yes, uh, yeah, and as I said, it just it really felt it, it was a letdown considering we've had such a great build up and we were all looking forward to Birds of Prey and what's this going to be seen as and you know maybe I mean fair enough Team Arrow was sort of seen in the background a wee bit more you know but I mean even if Felicity had a bit more of a uh, input into what was going on yeah and had a trio like took over the Oracle sort of role. That yeah, it, 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 it might have been a wee bit better that way or something like that. But yeah, I mean, it just didn't feel right. And I mean, I think it was more a good chance as well to see Laurel changing. I mean, I enjoyed how yeah. Laurel was portrayed in that episode as well. And it was nice to sort of see her get a wee bit more. Yeah, for, for once, she was the best actress on screen out of them. Like, Sarah can be a mixed bag. And um, that just sorry, that just a place there, obviously. But on screen, Sarah can be a mixed bag, bag whether she's good or not. Laurel, I've grown, her character's developed, like from becoming a moaning whiner. Ever since Ollie shouted at her, basically, it's 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 improved. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I am warming to Laurel. I mean, everyone, if they've been listening, knows my uh, my hatred towards towards Laurel Lance. But I am slowly warming up to her. And there's been rumours going around that it's going to get even better as as time goes on, like how she's um, how the character's being approached. So yeah, it was really really nice to sort of see see her step in, step up a little bit more than what she has been beforehand. You know, she isn't just this alky druggy anymore. She has actually sort of stepped in, and it helped the fact that you know she thought she'd got her job back, and you know, and then obviously she was part of the hostage kidnapping again. She always gets kidnapped, but. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so it was it was good to see that, and it was good to sort of see her push push herself a wee bit more as well. And I I enjoyed her arc, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, it was good. And I mean, yeah, I'm, it's it's difficult. I don't want to sort of give it too many negatives because it was it was all right, but still was quite poor. And just like as you said, Huntress was underwhelming. You know, I felt I felt Diggle could have been used a wee bit more as well. Oh yeah, especially coming off the back of the Suicide Squad episode. Yeah, I mean, it just showed how much awesome he is, like, to hold up an episode. It'd been interesting to see if he had a wee bit more, if he went into vigilante mode again or something like that, you know, that would have been quite interesting to see that, you know. Especially, I think there was a scene, if I remember right, because it's been a few weeks now, um, I think he, he reached for the bow and costume at one point, and I thought to myself, going, oh, I wonder if he's going to take on the mantle and just sort of, like, kick ass, but then it obviously didn't pan out, but... 
but yeah, he was underutilized, and it's it's a shame because they had such a great run of of episodes, and I suppose it was inevitable for them to sort of like you know slip up a little bit, and it, it wasn't like a major slip up; it was just like no. a wee stumble in in the run up to what's going on. The, the thing is, obviously, we're coming up to the point where the Flash was going to be inserted, and what I reckon has happened is the Birds of Prey episode was possibly I could be completely wrong was possibly one of the ones that were added as a filler episode. You know? Yeah, it to, sounds like it to be honest. Yeah, it really does. I think I think these around this sort of maybe batch from maybe episode uh, 17 to about maybe 2021, especially Birds of Prey if, say if there's another letdown episode, which I don't think there is from how the social yeah. network's going just now, but um, if this was the letdown then it's t- it would totally make sense if that was supposed to be the episode that the Flash would have been fired into. Yeah, the pilot sort of episode, yeah. yeah it feels like it as well, it, do- it, it just didn't sit right with what no. happened the, the episode before and the episode after this this just stuck out like a sore thumb in a bad way so yeah and it didn't do anything for character development either like the, the one thing this show does well uh, and when it is it's best is when it's developing the characters and showing you new sides and whatever ollie's forgot this week you know and yeah. <laughs> this one just came in and it was like a step back it was like a lull and we haven't really had a lull since uh, Barry Allen got introduced, to be honest, that I can think yeah, of. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, like, fair enough. Like, there's no characterization, but I mean, obviously, Laurel had her big one. Um, so, you know, I mean, apart from Laurel, everyone else didn't really move forward as much. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and again, like, the only sort of massive positive for the episode was right at the end where Slade made his move and kidnapped Thea. So, you know, I mean, it's sort of kind of like everyone's kind of like waiting for that moment to happen or waiting for that ending because it was, was getting a wee bit sort of like, you know, sighing every so often going, right, hurry up, let's get to the good bit, which we know is going to be the cliffhanger, which if you'd been keeping an eye on everything that'd be going on, you knew that that death stroke thing was going to happen and you're like, oh, I want to see how it's going to set up. So, yeah. but yeah, I mean, yeah, it was all right. It was mediocre at best, but, yeah. you know, we can't have, we can't always have awesome episodes and, Unlike other superhero shows out there, at least we've had more awesome episodes, you know, than boring episodes. So yeah, and this was a boring episode with an actual like top tier hero or anti hero, if you call, if you yeah. would, for the Huntress. Um, but yeah, let's move off off this and get into the exciting episode that came. And I'll let you take the the lead on this <laughs> one, Ross. Oh yes, Deathstroke. That was <laughs> yes. such a. I mean, everything that you just wanted to happen happened in Deathstroke. Like mm-hmm. it set off in the first couple of minutes of at the end of the first couple of minutes of Birds of Prey where Thea gets kidnapped by Slade and that yes. was brilliant man it was just awesome and and like I mean there's no such thing as too much Slade Wilson there's, there's no. just like he is just just amazing man you know and and like it, it really pushed the limits of all all the characters you know like we had a bit of a crappy Birds of Prey episode now they literally just went to the top and then some with Deathstroke, you know, you completely forgot about that that mediocre episode and you just focused solely on this. And every single character gave a fantastic performance, especially Stephen Amell with Oliver Queen and the way that he had to sort of juggle his identity along with, like, tracking down Deathstroke along with trying to keep his family together under the assumption that Thea had been kidnapped or or was dead. And, you know, it was just brilliant. And, I mean, like, Slade just... I mean, I just I have no words to just show <laughs> to to just explain like how how mentally and psychologically he tortured Oliver Queen through this entire episode. It was fantastic, and and what was best though is that this is like his first step 
into ruining Oliver Queen's life. So if this is what he's doing in the first step, what the hell is he going to do at the end of it? It's just going to be absolutely brilliant. And it just like, uh, it just, it, this seemed to be setting up the final five episodes. Like this yes. was like the, 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 the sort of the kickoff. And, and we finally slowly got, got to see his plan form together, you know, with the likes of him, um, it's him sort of, you know, uh, uh, taking the prison bus uh, towards the end of the episode. Oh, so yeah. does that bring up the fact that will there be a Deathstroke army towards the end of thing? Will there be more Mirakuru superhero people, you know, well, not superhero, but, you know, supervillain people kicking about Star City? That could set up season three, maybe, but you never know. And, and you know, obviously there was the big reveal with um, Isabel Roshev as well, the fact that that uh, in his time of need, he relied on Isabel Roshev and signed off everything so that she could keep the company afloat while now, he dealt with family. And then, boom. The, 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 there was a pretty good theory in that, just to stop you there, that you, I think it was either you or one of the other guys from Comic Book 101 came up with about um, her be- being Deathstroke's daughter. Yeah, well, I saw, I saw, a, well, there's pictures going around of. Um, um, I can't even uh, Summer Glow in Ravager's um, outfit in one of the later episodes. Now, people, there's there's two ways it can go down, and I was actually thinking about this today at work before we came on because I knew this would come up. Um, sure. They can either go down one path, right, where it's revealed that Isabel Roshev is just an alias name, and she is in fact Slade Wilson's uh, daughter. Because I'm pretty sure in the Island flashbacks we hear that Slade has kids. I think maybe I'm not too sure Possibly. entirely. Uh, yeah. But anyway, so it is in fact Slade's daughter, and they've been working in tandem ever since to bring it to bring Oliver Queen down, and yeah. so she becomes Ravager, and we see father son team up maybe in the second last of the last episode. Father daughter. Yeah, father daughters. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, but well, then... the one thing the one thing is though, he might have had kids if we haven't heard about it, and Oliver just goes, "Oh yeah, he had kids." You know, yeah, <laughs> another thing I've yeah. not told you. <laughs> I mean, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but then the other path he could do right, is that they would just keep it as that Isabel Roshev is just somebody that he'd met through his sort of life leading up to this, and yeah. uh, she just has this grudge against the Queen family and saw fit that oh, using Slade Wilson's contacts and money, I can get myself into the company and take over the company for myself. So I think with the writers just have to determine what one fits better with the story. Yeah. I'm leaning towards the latter one with the fact that they don't introduce the whole daughter thing because that could just convolute the entire sort of storyline even more if they could just keep it to Isabel Roshev being Isabel Roshev and she, her motive is just to gain control of the company. Now she's got that, she just becomes Slade Wilson's henchman. The whole daughter thing, I mean, it does have a nice sort of fit to it, but I don't know if it'll just convolute everything a wee bit more because yeah. there'd be more questions having to be raised and they only have five episodes to sum up, so... Yeah, well, you never, you never know. The one interesting thing, before we go back to the episode discussion, like, well, it still is episode discussion, but the one interesting thing that came up in either this episode or last one of the flashbacks was that uh, Deathstroke was still in Ireland when Ollie left. So our initial thoughts that Ollie was going to be left stranded, um, it seems that he had left Deathstroke because, remember, he, uh, Slade says that he swam and his body tried, gave up on him, but the Mirakuru kept him alive. Yeah, yeah, he, he shredded his, the shredded the skin to the bone, but because it yeah. kept him alive, sort of thing. So yeah, that brings up an interesting sort of island flashback story, bit you know. So obviously, again, we've not even mentioned the island flashbacks, which mm. uh, we find there that Slade's <laughs> fucked up the ship, and uh, they have to trade between uh, the two camps. I'm calling the two camps now, you know, the Wilson camp and the, the Queen camp, and they basically <laughs> decide to... Uh, was it Slade? 
brings over Oliver in trade for the guy that would fix the boat for them. That's and right, then yeah. that's when you get the wee flash of comedy genius from the wee Russian guy that I absolutely love, uh, the KGB guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when he tries to sort of he does the he, he disarms a mine and then they try and tie it to the guy's back, but um Slade comes back and says, Oh, I smell gunpowder. That's like ridiculous and stuff like that. So it's quite interesting to see how the island story's folding out as well. And as you said, that that nitpick brought up well spotted as well about the whole idea of um you know, if Slade was swimming in that island, does that mean that Oliver got off before him or you know, or or, or yeah, well, is that maybe something else that happens? So It sounded like it and I mean obviously we've seen Ollie getting off the island. The first scene you see in Arrow episode one is Ollie with a beard running towards the boat sending the signal flares. So do we end up seeing at the end of season five a massive fight with Ollie and uh, Slade with Slade possibly left for dead and then it'll flash back and it'll show him swimming to try and get off. I don't know. That'd be quite that'd be quite badass to be honest, like as a final sort of island flashback having this sort of like badass jungle hand to hand combat fight yeah. like like the Predator fight with Arnold Schwarzenegger and the yeah. Predator and Oliver having to use his surroundings to beat the Mirakuru enraged Slade and then yeah. he thinks he's killed him and then sprints off into the beach to try and get maybe the boat that was sent out to pick up Slade in the first place and he manages to hijack yeah. into that boat. That could be an interesting development. So Yeah, plenty more. Arrow writers, if you listen to this, we want some <laughs> We want a wee paycheck for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so the actual episode itself, like Ross was saying, was just incredible. Like, CC and the... for a ch- The thing I like is, obviously, this show's following kind of the Dark Knight sort of trilogy and Man of Steel uh, set in the real world, dark and gritty. But see... Um, even the Flash costume looks dark red. But um, seeing the bright orange of Deathstroke, it was so powerful seeing that flashing across screen during the fights. It was amazing. It was such a change-up in the show. Yeah, it certainly was, and I just I'm absolutely loving that costume. I think it's fantastic, like how yeah. they've how they've done it, and it really encapsulates the different sort of styles that we've seen Deathstroke drawn in the comic books and in the animated series as well. And it's it's, it's brilliant how it's done, and it's it's a practical costume as well. And it's it's good to see the difference between the sort of the nimble, agile, um, you know, not well armed uh, arrow costume of Oliver Queen compared to this souped-up, armoured-slash-fully-arsenaled um, yeah. uh, you know, costume that Deathstroke has. You know? So it'll be an interesting matchup, which we hope to see uh, this episode. Well, it airs tonight, tonight? to be honest. Yeah, yes. airs tonight, aye. See, so, yeah, it'd be quite interesting to see how it goes on. So We also got a slight Easter egg with um, Ollie calling Roy Speedy, and he says, don't call me Speedy. I don't like that. That yeah, <laughs> that was quite good. It was quite good to see that because obviously that's obviously reminding him of Thea at the time, and <clears throat> it was quite interesting to sort of bring that in. Obviously from the Easter egg point of view, as well as um, uh, as well as you know tying it in with the story, which is quite good. Yeah, because they did confirm one of the writers said that he will become Arsenal. Um, actually, yeah, they certainly did. Yeah, and um, also we see Roy leaving town as well at the end of Deathstroke. So we do. So uh, maybe he might come back with a Mister Grayson. <laughs> you're, you're determined this, <laughs> <laughs> come on that needs to happen but that that will lead into actually remember we were having a discussion of Speedy and Arsenal and, and we wanted people to tell us um, a cap Thomas or Thomas Quinn uh, got in touch with us on Facebook and said that Speedy then Arsenal then Red Arrow um, is the way that it went. Uh, he joined Justice League, returned to Arsenal after his arm was ripped off and his daughter was killed. So he became Arsenal for a second time, the time being you thought was when he became Arsenal. Mm-hmm. 
So um, Arsenal was actually second incarnation, whereas I thought it was Red Arrow. So yeah, and I mean, like he's now Arsenal as well in the new fifty-two. So if they're if Arrow's kind of if they're trying to do their comic book Easter eggs and are following the new fifty-two side of things, then then you know Arsenal there is kind of a completely different incarnation too with a baseball cap. Um, and yeah. he's, he's literally called Arsenal. Like he's not even called. Like he he acknowledges that he was the sidekick to Oliver Queen until he was ditched, um, and then he's taken on the idea. And obviously, he's called Arsenal and, and Red Hood and Outlaws purely because he has an arsenal of weapons. So you know, it's it's quite. And, and he has two arms. So you know, there you go. <laughs> so yeah, but, thanks thanks for uh, writing in anyway. And yeah, obviously, keep questions and comments and anything that we slip up on. Let us know. <laughs> Yeah, please do. Yeah, it's, it's it'd be interesting to see your thoughts as well on on what we're talking about in terms of the comic books as well as the the show as well and what you perceive and think as to what is going to happen next. Alistair's in the Nightwing camp. He thinks Nightwing's going to be cu- kicking about soon. You know, I it would be quite interesting to see if that happens. You know, uh, so yeah, it'd be quite interesting to see what you guys think about the rumors of Nightwing and all that stuff. So it'd be quite good. But yeah, obviously Roy's left town, so you know he's left. If the obviously Laurel finds out who Oliver Queen actually is, you know. But all we know, we just know that Slade just told her that he's the Arrow. Has he told her everything that happened in the island, like oh, yeah. Shadow? and all that stuff, because that'll be quite interesting to see uh, what happens. And I was reading an interview from Andrew Kreisberg, and he says that with this new information that Laurel has, Laurel's change will be quite similar to Tommy Merlin, when Tommy Merlin found out that um, Oliver was uh, the vigilante. So Mm. it'll be quite interesting to see if Laurel's perception of the world will change and perception of people will change now that she knows... um, that she knows that, that Oliver Queen is now Arrow, so I'm really looking forward to see how that happens. And obviously, Thea as well has found out that she's a Merlin. So there's a whole load of like, oh. like it's been building up to this one episode, and this one episode, everything was pretty much put out in a silver platter by Slade Wilson, and now we're going to see the fallout um, tonight and well tomorrow for the next episode so it'll be quite interesting to see how Oliver Queen manages to, to juggle the, the family problems his friend problems with Laurel and obviously uh, having Slade Wilson breathing down his neck the whole time so yeah I'm, I'm really really looking forward to to what's going to come out here and I'm specifically also looking forward to seeing how Thea copes with the fact that she's uh, she's the daughter of uh, Malcolm Merlin so be quite good and uh, obviously I'm wondering, there's been rumours and I think there's been a confirmation actually as well that Merlin will appear, so it'll be interesting yeah. to see when and how he appears and, you know, does this bring in more ideas and more news about the, the, the League of League of Assassins? Are they going to come back into it again? And it'll be interesting to see how this plays out and, and they're really sort of sitting here on a, on a great sort of pedestal here and, and they can go either way and I keep on seeing it going up and up, like the next five episodes are just going to be ridiculous, like I think if you want to tune in to hear geeks screaming, then tune in to Stalin City Radio and over the next five weeks because I think that's all we're going to be doing with the way things are going. So, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm really looking at that. And it's a shame that they went on the one-week hiatus as well because everyone yeah. was getting so riled up for it and then they've, they've had to wait until, obviously, tonight, tonight before. Yeah, and tonight's episode is called The Man Under the Hood and it was co-written, Ross, by Mr. Jeff Johns. 
Brilliant. So we yes. now know that it's going to be an even better episode than originally planned. So yes. So I can't wait for that. Like it's, it's everything. It's like after last week, it was an episode of revelations. Now it's going to be the aftermath of what happens, and I think everything's going to change. And um, the next few episode titles are building towards some sort of thing. It goes seeing red, which is something towards the Miracura, I reckon. Possibly Roy, might be wrong. Then it goes City of Blood, Streets of Fire and Unthinkable. So it seems like there's going to be a city-wide crisis, possibly. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, that sort of ties in with the Twitter picture that got posted up where people, someone snapped and it looked like there was an army of death strokes kicking about. Mm. So it'll be quite interesting to see whether or not, like in Heading Into the Light, where we see Oliver Queen standing at the wreckage of Star City, maybe we'll going to see Oliver oh, Queen yeah. at the end of Season 2 at the wreckage of Starlin City and he has to start from scratch. Maybe Season 3 might see him with no money, no friends, nothing at all whatsoever. Because if you think about Isabel Roshev is now yeah. in charge of the entire company. So does so who's gonna pay Diggle? Who's gonna pay Felicity? Who's how is he gonna get access to all his assets and stuff like that? Does this mean that he's literally gonna have no money whatsoever and have to, need to take um, a job at the club. Well, there's a, there's an <laughs> opening now that Roy's left. So. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So and obviously, as I said, like Roy's left as well. Will he come back in season two? Is that him finished for for the for the season? Obviously, he's not going to be finished for the season. I don't think. But um, but yeah, there's a whole load of things, and and even we're we're, we're still five episodes away from the season finale, but already. We can, we're slowly starting to see some form of how season three could begin, you know, and yeah. and season three is going to be quite interesting, especially if things are going to go the way that we think they're going to go. It'd be quite interesting to see how maybe season three is going to be like season one all over again, where he has to rebuild and restart. So it'd be quite good to see how it works out. So yeah. I mean, I, I just can't wait for tonight. So there's very little more you can say from the past episode apart from wow. Um, so, like, every episode that Arrow kind of lulls you, like, even Birds of Prey, like, at the end, like you were saying, Thea getting kidnapped, that was kind of an up point, but for the most part, it was dull, but I can't see this slowing down as of tonight. Episode uh, 42, actually, episode 42 in the running, but episode 19 of this season. <laughs> yeah, and uh, episode 42, yeah. And also, this is the first time we're going to see our um, Flash crossover as well. I believe, I believe um, Cisco Ramon and one of the other characters in the uh, that have been cast in the Flash TV show mm. are going to make an appearance in The Man Under the Hood, I believe, I think. I'm pretty sure that's the case. So, again, it's just fleshing out the, the overall universe. And in all honesty, Arrow doesn't really need to, to flesh out the, the Flash universe. I suppose it's just to give people, you know, an idea that it's still around. But, uh, but yeah, again, I'm just really... I just cannot wait to see how Oliver Queen's going to deal with everything that just came about after the end of Deathstroke, so... It's going to be quite good to see how this works out. Yeah, so that was our episodes for this week. And after that, is it a character discussion we have in the cards, Ross? Yeah, well, yep, yeah. The character cool. discussion I kind of had going around, just probably a brief one, really just to sort of give people an idea as to who the Huntress was. Um, obviously, people may not know her. If you don't read the comments and you're in with the show, you only really know her that well through season one when we saw her uh, her origins, which were quite quite similar to, to her comic book sort of origins as well. Um, and then we we finally see her again in Birds of Prey, the sort of mediocre episodes. Um, so I I decided this time I think I'll go for Huntress. Um, see how it goes. So I'll just give a basic overview and a basic introduction of how she is. But yeah, basically Huntress, aka Harlina Bertolini. Uh, she pretty much is just skilled with a crossbow. She has no superhuman um, powers or abilities. Uh, she's hand hand fighter, obviously. 
and uh, she was uh, taught like she grew up with her mafia family, so she was taught her hand to hand combat with her bodyguard, and uh, yeah, from a young age as well. And uh, yeah, she's been kind of reimagined quite a few times as well, and there's been quite a lot of different names been put under her as well. And I'm pretty sure the huntress was Helena um, Kyle for a while as well. And there's like bits with Batman and Catwoman, and it just got completely convoluted. So, for the sake of my own sanity, <laughs> I'm just gonna <laughs> I'm just gonna focus on Helena Bertolina, which she's probably the most sort of commonly known ver- uh, iteration of huntress. So. Uh, she basically, at the very small age, she witnessed her family's murder and she pretty much went around the world hell-bent on trying to find out who the killers were. And that is pretty much her motivation of being this sort of um, anti-hero, you know, who doesn't play by the rules. And she's she's a short fuse. And because she sort of grew around Gotham uh, in the comic book, she finds herself sort of, you know... Um, uh, weaving in and out of the Bat family quite a lot as well, and you know, uh, Batman doesn't approve of her methods. Basically, you know, when he try, he kind of does what Oliver Queen kind of did in season one, tried to sort of tame her and bring her, rope her into sort of the uh, into the right side of the law, but always fails, you know. And and you know, she sort of she kind of falls into she falls in and out of the villains and the good guys uh, purely based on who has the information for her to try and hunt down the killer of her family. So, you know, sometimes she can find herself aligning herself with some of the villains. Sometimes she's sitting around with the birds of prey. It all depends on how her motive at that time. Um, so, yeah, that's pretty much like kind of what she she pretty much does. And she tries to, she, her sort of hand-hand combat and her sort of crossbow skills impressed the league uh, quite a lot. She was actually inducted into the Justice League um, for a while uh, in the animated cartoon, and it's a fantastic episode. If you guys haven't seen it yet, um, uh, it's it's actually got Green Arrow in it and Black Canary and Huntress and the Question. And the Question's probably the best hero ever, but uh, that's for another day. But yeah, uh, I think it's Justice League Unlimited season one. I'm not too sure exactly the episode title, but there you get to see Huntress in the Justice League, and she sort of teams up with the Question to try and figure out. Um, she thinks that she's found the killer of her. Uh, family so she goes out and she tries to tries to sort of kill him but obviously green arrow tries to stop her from killing him because it's against the rules of the league and stuff like that. so it's, it's a really good sort of ep- animated episode if you get a chance to to get to see it so yeah basically that's kind of uh <laughs> i'll then in the new 52 obviously as everyone knows with dc comics they restarted everything the huntress isn't actually in in isn't actually Helena Bertolina, uh, Bertolini, the Huntress, isn't in New 52, right? Instead, she's Helena Wayne from Earth 2. So basically, Huntress mm-hmm. and Power Girl team up from Earth 2, right? Mm-hmm. So it turns out, right, that Bertolini had been, right, I'd read up some of the comics. Bertolini had been dead for ages, right? But her exploits were actually done by Helena Wayne. So Helena Wayne was basically doing everything that everyone thought Bertolina was actually doing in Earth 2. So basically it's like a sort of world's finest that used to be Batman and Superman. It's now Huntress and Power Girl from Earth 2 that are kicking about doing stuff. So that's why I'm stopping right now about Huntress because she's the most overly convoluted character ever. Uh, (laughs) She does appear in Batman Hush, which is a fantastic comic book. And uh, she's got a great scene in there where she sort of gets taken over a wee bit and stuff. And she goes quite psycho and she looks quite cool in that one. Um, But yeah, Huntress itself, I mean, it's... 
is an interesting character if you get right down to sort of the bare bones. You know, she's out for revenge over the death over whoever killed her family. You know, and that's what sort of that sort of motive. A bit like how Batman is out for vengeance over the death of his parents, or she has the same idea. But it's a bit like if Batman went went evil, then basically that's what Huntress is. You know, she's sort of like the other side of the coin to to Batman. Sort of, you know. Um, crusade against justice crusade for justice so yeah basically she's she's quite interesting and again she kind of gets portrayed a wee bit better in the animated series especially that that cartoon episodes um with her in the question which is quite badass uh, but yeah she does get quite sort of convoluted in the terms that people tried to reimagine her and retcon her so much that they ended up changing her name and there was times where like you know helena was Helena Kyle, so she was like the the mother of of Catwoman, and then there's there's ones in in um, Young Justice, which is a great TV show as well. She's actually the daughter of one of the Young Justice team members. It's just all a bit crazy and stuff like that. Um, but what they did in Arrow though was fantastic, and I actually prefer that Arrow uh, iteration of Huntress, especially the backstory that we get through the Arrow comic book, which we covered a few episodes ago. Um, and I really enjoyed how it was portrayed. However, it's a shame that the actress didn't really push her boundaries that much and she felt a wee bit wooden in Birds of Prey, which is a shame because it, it could have been such a good character. And the fact that she ends up being imprisoned, I wonder if we'll see her. Maybe if they do, do a Suicide Squad spin-off, maybe she'll appear there. Maybe she might come out of prison and, and she might make an appearance in season three. I mean, it's kind of left in an open end, so it'll be quite interesting to see if they do bring her back um, in some capacity within Arrow. Um, but yeah, hopefully that kind of makes sense with Huntress. Um, if anyone would like to have any discussions about Huntress, feel free to post up on our page and stuff like that, and I'll be more than happy to have a wee chat. And if anyone has any questions on the, the characters that I've been covering, and if anyone has any characters they'd like to cover that has some sort of connection to Green Arrow, then I'll be more than happy to do that as well. But yeah. there we go. Oh, that was cool. Like, I, I'm not too familiar with Huntress. Um... I'm still going to get round to watching the actual Birds of Prey TV series. Oh, do you really? Are you, are you sure you want to do that, man? Because <laughs> they're good my, bad girl suit. Me, 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 and my friends watched it, and um, it's um, it's an interesting TV show to say the least. Uh, obviously, it came out in the early two thousands, and it's just very interesting. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, not not as good as the Flash TV show, but um, but uh, yeah, it's just a bit. They really did throw everything around the place because in that one again, it's um, uh, Huntress turns out to be the daughter of Catwoman and Batman. I think. Yeah, that's how it works out in the Birds of Prey. But give it a shot if you want. But I'm not. I'm not going to uh, condemn or or, or um, promote it. So. <laughs> yeah, well, it's got a good Batgirl suit in the first episode. That's pretty which much is where the budget went. <laughs> Yeah. And oh, so, um, uh, Mark Mark Hamill does the voice of the Joker in it as well. That's right. Um, yeah. And it's sort of flashbacks, which is quite cool. Yeah, and it seems as if they've spliced together scenes from the Batman movie to make it. That as well, and also they do a nice wee homage to the Killing Joke, where um, you see Oracle becoming or well, uh, Batgirl getting shot um, by Joker, which is quite cool. And it's pretty much almost mirror image to what you see in Killing Joke, which is quite nice. But I mean, these are just the flashback stuff, but the actual episode itself is just a very poor imitation of Smallville, but right. give it a shout anyway. <laughs> well, um, 
like I said, we'll finish up this week. This is us back. We're back on track. So two episodes for you this week covered and heading into the light. Next week's book, again, is Crawling from the Wreckage. I'm sure it's going to be good. But let's finish this show with a little bit of plugging, Ross. Yeah, I mean, if you're loving everything you can you can get, you can listen to us. Um, you can catch up with all things SCR. Uh, you can get us over at our website, starlandcityradio.tk. Uh, find us on Stitcher Radio and iTunes. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter at Starling Radio, and uh, definitely like us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Starling Radio. Uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts. We'd love to get some discussion going uh, within the two social networks as well. It'd be fantastic. And any questions you want us to to discuss on the show, uh, feel free. We're also part of the Comics Podcast Network, and uh, we're also part of the All Games Network as well. So you can get us everywhere. We're taking over the internet world. It's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, StarlandCityRadio.tk. That's where you'll catch up on all our episodes. And uh, yeah, at Starland Radio and Facebook.com for slash Starland Radio. So please get in touch with us. It'd be awesome to hear your thoughts on the show. So yes, great. definitely, definitely. And uh, Friday nights, like Ross said, we're on All Games Radio just before Agents of Shieldcast, done by one of our co-workers on one of our other shows uh, Andy Urquhart and Chip Seller from the B team theirs is about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, they cover like the Marvel films and things as well and if you tune in on a Friday night if you've got nothing to do allgames.com or you can go to Stitcher Radio and search for All Games Live and you'll get a live feed on your phone tablet anywhere so there's no escaping us um, Starland City Radio will be back again this Sunday so you're kind of getting two episodes this week um, yeah and yeah, tonight Arrow's back on, so we're probably going to head off and just get excited about watching that. Uh, <laughs> but before we finish up, of course I've got a quote for us. Of course I do. Um, and this one's actually from the book that we read tonight. I just laughed, and I goes Ross has to read that. Um, so oh Ross, let's <laughs> uh, see. Right, okay. <clears throat> this stuff is a real bitch. Then again, so is she. <laughs> I just laughed when I seen it. <laughs> okay, so thanks for listening. We are back, folks. Tune in again next week or the end of this week, however, whenever you hear this. Um, and watch Arrow. But yeah, thanks for listening. Cheerio. Cheerio.